Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're glad you've joined us. We are indeed. And sometimes, you know, we sit around in the evenings and we relax and we chat and we watch a little TV, but you've been on a lot of TV shows, actually. You used to be on a regular television show, and I know that there were times when you talked about this strange topic called fear. Yeah, it was not so strange for most of us. Why is it so oh, – every, almost every show has a fear factor, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's a dramatic moment. But why is fear so popular as a topic? Well, I mean, so many people struggle with fear. And all of us have moments when we're afraid. Right. And certain things happen to us in life, and uh, we really feel like we're living in fear at that moment. And part of what we want to do, Norm, is talk about what you can do to move out of fear and to move into a faith perspective rather than living in that fear. Because mm-hmm. it's a miserable place to be when you are living and worrying about something that could happen or might happen, or did in the past and could reoccur. And so many of our listeners have struggled with fear. It's almost like two kinds of fears, aren't there? The, the, the one where something instantly happens, like the lady in Sunday school last week who talked about a dog attacking her. Yeah, That's, yeah. that's kind of like instant fear. Right. But then there are the kind you were talking about that it's ongoing and almost chronic. Yeah, and it, it leads to a lot of worry and yeah. concern. Right. Yeah. Well... I know that there are moments when fear comes straight at us, like a dog sometimes. It does, but um, you found a poll that I thought was so interesting that teenagers did. I think it was a Gallup poll that you listed. What were the common fears that teens wrote down? teens have, yeah. Yeah, on that poll. Well, they were afraid of terrorism, interestingly enough. Yeah. Spiders. Spiders? (laughs) Spiders made the list? I don't know. Our kids are both terrified of (laughs) spiders, so I don't know how that happened. I don't really understand that one at all, but they are both very afraid of spiders, yeah. Death, I get that one. Failure, I get that. Mm -hmm. War, we haven't had war in in most teenagers' lifetimes. Well, it's Afghanistan and Iraq, and there's always a threat of war. I mean, and it's in in our living room 24-7 or on our phone. Yeah. Uh, a lot of teenagers were afraid of heights. I'm not sure how that happens oh, if you huh. haven't felt like you're going to fall, but maybe. Okay. Crime and violence, I get that. The fear of being alone, that one makes sense to yeah, me it for does. teenagers. Yeah, it does. And a lot of them had fears about the future and a nuclear war and what might happen toward the end of things. You know, those don't sound like they're exclusive to teens, a no, lot of what don't. you're bringing up. And whatever fears we, whatever fears we have... We really need to be intentional about not letting that fear grip us and interfere with our daily life because that's when it becomes problematic is when it's it's causing you not to function the way you need to and it's impairing you in some way. 
A couple of years ago, there was a bombing in Nashville, and our daughter mm-hmm. lives there. How did you react? Oh, my gosh. When I heard that, um, I the very first thing I did was try to get a hold of her and find out where she was and was it near her. And I, I did have a moment of fear. But I, what you want to avoid is for that moment then to be a persistent type of fear that whenever she's out and about, you're worried. I'm worried that yeah. something terrible is going to happen yeah. to you. What about the kind of weird one where you hear a bump in the night? It's <laughs> oh, like okay. you have that fear at night. You go, oh, what was okay, that? I got it. So I, I, that one is hard for me because when I was babysitting one of my cousins years ago, I mean, it's like, you know, you were e- a kid. eons ago, yeah. right, right. And I remember I was, there was a, it was a stormy night and I was sitting in the living room watching TV and all of a sudden the door opened up. And it was dark out there, and this door just opened up, and I couldn't see who was. I, there was nobody there, but I, Norm, I was, I froze. I was so terrified at that moment, thinking that somebody had broken into the house, and I, that kind of fear is pretty daunting. And I have to say, it it took me a, a little bit of time to go back and want to do that babysitting again because I didn't know what that was about. I never did. I think it must have been the wind or something. Maybe I didn't sure, close the door. Sure, I don't know. Sure, you've talked about this ninety second thing. What's that? Oh, the the 90 seconds that it takes to sort of calm yourself down. Mm-hmm. So there's a biological uh, reaction that happens with fear. And if you can just wait out the 90 seconds, then your brain has a little bit more of a chance to think. And you can identify what it is. And you can s- stop that ongoing fear with a few techniques. Okay, but a minute and a half doesn't work when you're in an instant crisis. Right. Well, so, so what it is, so there's this thing called the amygdala hijack. Okay. And, the, and the amygdala is a part of your brain that um, is the emotional part of your brain. And that's where it's kind of the fear center of the brain, right? Mm-hmm. So when something bad like that happens, and you they, they call it, you flip your lid, you know, you just get <laughs> really scared and mm-hmm. you don't know what to do. If you can distract your mind at that moment, because you, you don't know what it is, you just feel bad. But if you can count backwards to 10, if you can tell yourself to name five cities that begin with the letter A, if Albuquerque, you can, Amarillo, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you, at that moment when you're feeling afraid, if you can do something distracting like that, mm. what happens is it calms down that amygdala because it engages the thinking part of your brain. And so when you feel that feeling, even something really simple like deep breathing, hmm will get you to relax and calm. Okay. But isn't it true that fear sometimes is a warning system and we need it? Kind of like pain. It tells you that there's something wrong and you need to... Yeah. Yeah, it's an alarm. It's an alarm that the body, it's a beautiful way God designed us. He built in that alarm system. It moves us to action. But again, when it turns into panic or worry or anxiety, it's no longer, you're no longer reacting to real danger. Mm-hmm. It's anticipated mm-hmm. danger or something that you're mm-hmm. thinking about that could happen to you. You might get hit by a car. You might get struck by lightning. You might lose your money in the stock market. Mm-hmm. That's an anticipated fear mm-hmm. that is not, it doesn't help us in any mm-hmm. way. In fact, it's ungodly. Right, because God says what? We all know that verse. What? He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And he doesn't want us to live in that kind of fear. Right. Wow. So talk to us a little bit more about some physical things we can do to calm down. Okay, so I talked about the part of the brain that gets activated, but there's also this part of your nervous system called the autonomic nervous system. And if you think of that, like that is like a system in your body that is scanning your environment to make sure it's safe. Mm -hmm. So that autonomic nervous system gets, gets ramped up 
and then it can get calmed down. So some people know the sympathetic nervous system is the fight flight, you know, the kind of thing where you get scared, you just want to mm-hmm. you go, wanna go you after it. You have to react. Yeah. Right. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is the part that you can calm and you can, it's called the rest and digest system hmm. where you have to calm it down. And those two systems work in tandem. But when one of them gets overactivated and the fear one gets really activated, you have to physically sometimes just engage in something that's going to get you, your body calm. So we mentioned breathing, but you can also do something called guided imagery where maybe you picture heaven or you picture a beautiful beach or, or a mountaintop scene and you, you focus on all the images and that scene and the senses and the smells and the Hmm. sounds and all of that. Or you do a tensing of your body and then you do a a relaxing of your body. You're you're using your muscles to tense and relax. You're basically getting yourself into a calm body position and that will calm down any fear because you can't be relaxed and then also aroused at the same time. But that's something willful. You choose to do. It's intentional. Have you ever done that? And yeah. Well, it's you have to practice it over and over to get good at it. So you know, you know my story of going to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a bad experience as a child, and and bless that dentist who probably didn't know how he traumatized me. But um, I was terrified of going to the dentist. So I did what we call I had safety measures, hmm. and so that meant that if I went to a dentist, I had to have a fish tank in front of me to visually focus on something. Mm-hmm. I had to have music in my ears to distract me. I had to have him looking at me. I had to have him be calming and talk to me in a voice that I could understand. You know, and then I was pro- probably okay. And then what I ended up doing was exactly practicing that tensing, relaxing, tensing and I would practice that about 30 minutes every day to the point where then when I would get into the dental chair, I could sit there and I could I could feel my body starting to tense and I'd go in my head, I'd go, relax. And I would go into that relaxation state. Hmm. And I made myself do that over and over. And you know now, yeah. I mean, I've had some major dental Boy, no things like an implant right. and stuff, right. which are right. not pleasant, right. and I can do it now. So it, this, it strikes me that this is kind of following that biblical prescription about taking every thought captive. Is that kind of what yeah. this is? So one of the fear responses we're talking about is calming your body down. Taking a thought captive is when it your your fear originates by your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So sometimes our body just reacts, but other times it's because we're thinking really awful things and negative things. So that scripture is great because it's basically telling you to grab your thought mm-hmm. and confine it. Okay, the scripture says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind to take Every thought captive. Yeah. So when you have a negative thought like, well, what if I, what if I can't get out of that room? Hmm. Then, then what you can do with that is say, okay, I'm going to confine that thought. I'm going to take it captive. That's what captivity is. Confine. It's oh. confining it, taking it captive, looking at it and going, okay, what's a more true thought? What's a more rational thought? Replace that negative thought with something more rational and your body will calm down because the way you think impacts the way you feel which then impacts the way that you behave. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, we're going to explore more of these how to get out of fear concepts and turn them into faith. I like that, and we'll do it right after this break. Is every spare minute of your life filled with some activity, event, or demand? 
If so, you could be suffering from a very common American disease. It's called overcommitment, and it has seeped into every area of our lives. I'm Dr. Linda, the relationship doctor, and yes, I'll admit it, I've fallen prey to overcommitment in my life just like I imagine you have. Saying no occasionally is the best offense against overcommitment. But if it's too late and you're already overcommitted, here's a little tip to help you make it through. In the busiest days, you can still stop and take five just for yourself. When your heart is racing and your thoughts are whirling inside your head, your effectiveness just plummets. But if you'll pause right in the middle of all the hubbub, maybe close your eyes, breathe deeply, and remind yourself that the current task will be completed, you'll feel an immediate sense of relief. Then you can head back into the job at hand with renewed focus and energy. And when the next chance comes to overcommit, it comes your way, you can work on your priorities by just saying, hey, no. Hello and welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Our topic today is one that we've all experienced in life and that's the fear factor. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just TV shows named Fear Factor. I hate those kind I, of shows where they try to scare you on purpose. But a lot of people like them. Well, so. I do. And, and people go to horror movies. I know. I, and, I, it's and, creepy to me. <laughs> there's too Don't much write to, me. Don't but, write me and tell me. That's that right. I'm there's a, too much in life to be fearful know, of. Why I watch more right. of it, right? It just adds to your problems. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, let me remind you before we get back to our conversation on fear. Uh, that you should check out Dr. Linda's website. It's drlindamental.com. You're going to find there her blogs, her books, and you can connect with her on social media. A great way to know what she's writing about every day is just to follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Linda Mental or at Facebook, uh, Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker. That's her Facebook name. So I want to go back to something we were talking about while well, we were talking about fear, but some people in the Christian world want to name the good things and, and claim them. But in the fear world, if we name our fear, does that mean we've identified it and we can fight it better? I'm not sure. So it's interesting, again, how the brain works, because there's a saying in the neuroscience world where we say, if you name it, you tame it. Hmm. And so the idea is, if you say what the fear is... You're taking your brain out of that feeling part of just that amygdala, that feeling part of your brain, and you're engaging the thinking part of the brain again. So just by naming it, labeling it, your brain comes back online and it can calm you down a little bit. So it is important to talk about what your fears are and to name them. Just labeling them alone gets you started into that healing process. Mm -hmm. And I know it's hard to talk about your fears because then we fear that people are going to not like us or Mm -hmm. think we're odd or strange. But the more you can really bring it up and you can talk about it, especially in relationship problems when we're talking about fear of intimacy or fear of being left. I mean, a lot of people that are hearing us now, Norm, you know, had a lot of trauma in their background, and they have these fears of being left or abandoned or rejected, or, you know, that somehow they're going to know me and not want me. Mm -hmm. I've heard that so often Mm -hmm. in therapy from people. But if you don't talk about it and name it, you can name it and claim it in that way, or name it and tame it, as we like to say. It's a beginning of getting that fear taken care of. Yeah, but what happens when your partner says that you are fearful? Yeah, or you're the reason for their fear right, because right. of the way you behave. Yeah. Yeah, especially we see that in often in narcissistic personality disorders and some of the very controlling people we've done shows on on control. And so, you know, you have to be really careful. Um, but if you don't deal with it, 
it's not going to get better. So mm-hmm. fear doesn't get better by going into the hiding. In fact, that's what the enemy does, right? We know that the enemy likes to keep us isolated and fearful. And it's when we talk to people and we connect with other people and we get help that we do better. So, it's almost like bringing it out into the light, yes, right? which is what is scriptural, right? Sure. Sure. And it, it can't hide in that darkness. So, right. you know, if somebody sees you for who you really are, let's take that fear, they're still most likely going to love you if they've loved you and they had a sense of who you are anyway. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's just bringing that to the surface and then letting the person know that, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. Now, what you said is that in some relationships, it's not okay to be vulnerable mm-hmm. because the person uses it against you. Then that's a, that's a, toxic relationship that needs to get some help if that's the case here's one that's similar to that what about fear and uncertainty in a relationship well i mean that's what creates a lot of fear is the the unknown and uncertainty and the truth is we don't ever have certainty about anything right. right and that's where our faith really becomes important because not even just with our intimate relationships but in our relationship with god functioning on this earth we have to realize that we don't have control, mm-hmm. and there are so many things that could happen. But if you keep thinking about the what ifs, it's going to take you into an anxiety, you know, place. So releasing that control and surrendering that control, and staying sometimes in more of a present moment, and thinking, okay, what I what I'm doing today, and God, you're going to walk me through it step by step, and you're going to show me the way. I mean, the opposite of fear. I would say the opposite of worry, and this was the the main thesis of my book, Letting Go of Worry, was doubt in God. Hmm. So when hmm. we worry, we're basically saying, I'm not sure I don't God. trust you. I don't think, yeah, no. I don't know if you really are here, hmm. if you really for me, if you're really going to help me with this. I have to kind of worry this thing through because I'm not so sure I can trust you. Mm-hmm. And boy, no. when I found, when I figured that out, it was very con- convincing to yeah. me and condemning in some way that I need to let God be God. Yeah. 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 You know, this seems to me to speak loudly for the need to have a friendship and a relationship with your spouse before you get intimate and fall in love. I that seem at least you'd get to know each other yeah. and some of those uncertainties would would be taken care of. That's true. And that it does make it look look that when I was talking about your autonomic nervous system. It's always scanning the environment for safety. Well, when you have a, a, a significant other that you feel safe with, mm-hmm. then everything in your body calms down, and then you can have these more rational conversations. So again, part of that relationship that you're looking for in a friendship is someone you feel safe with, who you can share with, you can be vulnerable with, you can trust. Mm. And we know that's true of God, sure. but we want to have that with other people as right. well. Right. So we've heard people called conflict avoidant, but Mm -hmm. are a lot of people just avoiding these kinds of conversations because of fear? Yeah, it's it's sometimes it's the underlying factor, and again, avoidance doesn't get the doesn't get anything solved. And you, who wants to live in fear all the time? It's an awful place to be when you're doing that. So again, not avoiding the problem, bringing up the problem, having the courage, maybe getting someone else to help you with bringing that up, a therapist or somebody, but that's going to start the healing. That's good. Sometimes I think we don't consider fear as a thing in our life because we want to avoid it, as we just said, or we want to ignore it. But I remember there's a great quote from President Franklin Roosevelt that he used during his first inaugural address in 1933, and he was in the middle of the Great Depression. He said, the only thing we have to fear 
is fear itself. But there's more. He says, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror that paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. There it is. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a well-known quote mm-hmm. when you know, the only thing to fear is fear itself. And it's actually a biblical, there's a biblical basis for that. Because so many times in the Bible, in fact, 200 times wow. in the Bible, think God's trying to make a point? Yeah, about fear? <laughs> yeah, he tells us not to fear. And how many times does he say, fear not? Fear the not. The angel fear always not. said, fear not. Yeah, well, as soon as they come in, well, I'm glad they say that, because if an angel you know, popped up in my exactly. horizon, I probably would be a little afraid. <laughs> but it's, you know, there's so many, uh, 53 times in the Psalms. Alone. Fear is mentioned. In one book. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, you have a story of someone we all call Jenna, and she doesn't let fear get in her way. In fact, she used a psalm to help her overcome it. Tell us about her. Yeah, so Jenna was offered a job, and she prayed about that job, and she felt a peace about taking it. And during her first few months, Norm, she began to notice a lot of problems. Hmm. And she felt like the organization was somewhat dysfunctional, including her boss, who wasn't really very kind. And she started to get fearful. And she had these thoughts, like, did I make a mistake? Should I have taken this job? And she knew the position was important to what she wanted to do in her career path. So it, you know, she, when she first thought about it, she thought, yes, this is a solid decision. But then all these circumstances started to make her doubt. And there were a lot of obstacles to overcome hmm. in that job. So how'd she handle it? Well, she needed to rehearse, first of all, why she took the job. Mm-hmm. And that she had prayed about this job, and she had a peace going into it. Okay. And I think that's real important because Reminding sometimes, ourselves. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes when we've we've had those experiences where we've taken jobs, and we knew this is where God wanted us to be, and then we get there, and it's really problematic. Mm-hmm. But I think that's part of the fight that the enemy we have someone who's blocking our our advancing. Um, in in whatever way that we are doing in terms of what we're doing. She was really confident because she knew that she had prayed about it and that's where she was supposed to be. So I, I encouraged her to stand on that and see what God does. Now, in Psalm 34... It gives a prescription for this, and this is Mm -hmm. what she did. She praised God for giving her the job. She looked for and asked for God's help. She believed that He would deliver her from all her fears. And her lens for viewing the job was one of trusting God's faithfulness and not giving into that fear. Right. So the key here, I hear, is that Jenna trusted in God's power, not her own. Right. And that way she didn't give into the fear that worked through her negative thoughts. Yeah, that's the key, because we don't see the entire picture sometimes of why we are where we are mm-hmm. and what's going on behind the scenes. And, you know, we hear all these platitudes, God's got this, fear can't win, God's on my side, if God is for me, who can be against me, the Lord will fight for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these things are true. Right. And sometimes I think we need to be our own cheerleader with the scriptures and, um, you know, get ourselves encouraged in the Lord. You know, I think the bottom line of all of this is that God wants to make us fearless. That's right. He knows that we're going to face fears, but he doesn't want us to be held hostage by the possibilities of dangers and issues in life. We just need to fear God instead of fear. And that fearing God, it doesn't mean we're afraid of God. Right. 
So when I used to hear that as a kid, I thought, oh, that means I need to be He's afraid. He's a big, scary God. He's a big, scary right. God. But it's really having the, the reverence and the awe of who God is and the fact that He's in charge and we're not. And He's sovereign over all mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. He has our life in His hands. So that's the type of fear that they're talking about in Psalm 19, 9, when it says, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. Right. Let's go back to Psalm 46, because I think it's so powerful. Can can we break it down in our last minute? Yeah. So God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So we know who God is. He's very present help in times of trouble. God's the creator of all things, all powerful. Nothing escapes him. He's We are under his watchful eye. Right. So when fear strikes, we just remind ourselves over and over, who is God? Where is he? He's in me. He's with me. He's going through any trouble I'm going through because he never leaves me and he never forsakes. So how do we move from fear to faith? Well, we know that the Lord Almighty is with us and our helper in times of trouble. So face all fears by keeping your eye on the Lord. Don't look at the circumstances around you. Don't look at it alone. You know that God is with you. Know that God's in the moment and he's in your future. Paint the picture of your difficulty with him in the frame. Hmm. Ever present and always your help in time of trouble. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes this show a conversation, and our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Doing life together. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.